Happy Valentine's Day, motherfuckers. We love you. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> I'm excited for today's episode because it's I get Valentine's to... Valentine's Day? No, because I get to rant. <laughs> I get to rant about annoying things that have happened in my life, and there's nothing more fun than that. Welcome back to What They Don't Say. Um, today is a special day. It's Valentine's Day, a day of love. A day of... You know that this episode's not coming out on Valentine's Day, right? I was thinking maybe we put it out on Valentine's Day as a gift. Okay. <laughs> it's a day of love. It's a day that is absolutely loathed by singles and absolutely loved by people in healthy relationships. And a day to be let down by your significant other because they will <laughs> probably not ask you to be their Valentine or get you those flowers and chocolate that you've been waiting for. Yeah, Valentine's Day is just full of disappointment. <laughs> but you know, Valentine's Day is also a reminder of what kind of partner you're with. And that can be a healthy one, an unhealthy one. It can be a love bomber, a narcissist. <laughs> Maybe they make Valentine's Day all about them. Maybe it's your fault that you didn't plan the date. <laughs> Maybe they get you a car because you're in the first stage of dating a love bomber. A car. <laughs> Yeah, if you're dating like a billionaire. <laughs> Today, we are going to be talking about a few of those. And in specific, we are going to be talking about narcissistic relationships. Um, for people that don't know, narcissistic relationships can be a form of abusive relationships. No, they're not. <laughs> are you gaslighting me right now? No. <laughs> um. <laughs> I would never do that to you. I love you. Please don't ever leave me. <laughs> Okay, well, what Shannon is hinting at right now is that narcissists are very good at gaslighting you, and then the second that um, you try to leave them, they will become obsessed with you. And we're going to talk about that today, because um, I have a lot of experience with this, unfortunately, but now we can take those experiences and exploit them for your guys' entertainment. So what's better than that? And for your learning. Yeah. Because, like, I haven't really been in a full-blown narcissistic relationship. So, like, I'm here to learn the same way that you guys are here to learn. And you might not even realize that you are in some form of narcissistic relationship or maybe you're getting love-bombed. And we're here to show you the warning signs so that you can hopefully not end up with all of the trauma that, like, Lauren has from her relationships. Yeah, and, and especially taking on the perspective of, like, as someone who has been in a traumatic and abusive situation that involved sexual assault and then moving from that into other forms of abusive relationship and kind of like why I think I did that in hindsight and why in general a lot of um, trauma survivors and abuse survivors tend to do that and it's kind of like this like terrible fucked up cycle that we put ourselves in. Also, a remembrance of like, you know, if you are in an abusive relationship, like it's not, it's never your fault that you're being abused, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is always a person that is abusing you's fault. Um, but it can be really easy to slip into these ideas of like, I'm at fault, I'm at fault. But like, there's a stat out there that like says roughly 80% of Americans have been in some form of an emotionally abusive relationship, whether that's like a work relationship, a romantic relationship, a friendship. Um, and so this is something that happens so, so constantly. Um, and it's so unfortunate, right? Like that's so fucked up. It should not be happening this much. We shouldn't have these, you know, 
toxic relationships happening here and there and everywhere, but we do. And we have to constantly remind ourselves that like, if you are in one of those situations or you were in one of those situations, like it's never your fault that you were being Mm -hmm. abused, but it's so easy to say that it was because maybe you stayed in it too long, which I definitely did. And like, I think it's really important to like talk through those things so that then hopefully you guys or, you know, your friends or whoever can take this information and reflect on Maybe a situation right now, maybe it's something in the past, maybe it'll like help you heal or understand things better. But for me, it took a long time, right? It took mm-hmm. a long time to understand that I was in a not so great situation. And it took a much longer time to realize that it was because my partner was a severe narcissist. Right. <laughs> like it's hard to recognize those traits. And that's the thing is, you know, people on the outside of your life might be looking into your relationship and saying things like, this isn't healthy. You shouldn't be doing this, like pointing out those red flags. But when you're kind of in that deep quicksand of a relationship with a narcissist or with someone who's emotionally abusive, those are kind of synonymous because narcissism is a form of emotional abuse. But when you're in it, it can be so incredibly hard to leave. Like you might feel like you can't, you might feel like because you can't even recognize what's going on that you don't know how to get out because you're so far in it or they make you feel like you can't get out. You can't leave them. There's so many complications in abusive relationships, right? Because you see the good, Mm -hmm. but you also see the bad. And that's what I think becomes so tricky in your mind of like, yeah, today was a bad day. I didn't feel super great, but last week was such a great week and he was so kind to me and we had so much fun and we laughed and all this stuff. But then it, it becomes like this pattern of justifying every bad day or every bad thing that they do to you with something good that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just this cycle that continues on and on and on. And it can be hard to kind of recognize that. But once you do, it's like, holy shit, I'm not really happy. I'm just trying to be happy in any way that I can, or like hold on to those good moments. And that's something that happens in narcissistic relationships a lot. Like there can be these extreme moments of love and care from your narcissistic partner, but they're pretty rare. And when they do happen, it's so amazing to you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you hold on to that. And you think that maybe one day the whole relationship will be like this, because if they're capable of doing this every here and there, maybe they could turn into this person, but they won't. And what we know about narcissists is that they're pretty much incapable of giving that unconditional love and having empathy and care for you because that's not how they're wired. They're not wired like you and me. Mm -hmm. They're wired differently. And so being in a relationship with a narcissist, like you were saying, you're holding on to the day where that they might be good all the time, but it's just simply not possible because that's not who they are. And that's not Mm -hmm. how they love others because the way they love others is abusively. Yeah. And they're not going to change. And I think that's the biggest thing is that like you stay in these abusive relationships, maybe because you think that they can change or you can change them. But especially in a narcissistic relationship, like they won't change. And if you say like, oh, you should go to therapy. Oh, like maybe you should talk to someone like they will get so defensive because they can't. There's nothing wrong. Why would I go to therapy? There's nothing wrong with me, Lauren. I'm perfect. <laughs> That's like literally what my ex would say oh, to me. You, you think I should go to therapy? Have you looked at yourself in the mirror lately? Maybe you should go to therapy. Maybe that's why you're feeling this way. Yeah, I'm the problem. (laughs) You are the problem. I am not the problem. Um, (laughs) This is not my fault that you're feeling that way. What Shannon is saying (laughs) might be a joke right now, but that is like legitimately things that people will say to you. 
that are narcissists. Like they cannot ever self-reflect and look internally to realize that they're, they're the problem or that they need to change. And I think that's probably one of the most frustrating things about being in a relationship like that. Today, we're really just going to dive into my story and then also kind of broaden that out and look at narcissistic relationships more generally. What do they look like? How do you get out of one? Right. Because that's the hardest part of an abusive relationship is figuring out a safe way to get out. So we're going to talk through that a little bit as well. Your story, Lauren, where does it start? How did you end up? How did you find yourself in a situation where you had a narcissist telling you that they loved you? And that you were so far in the shitter and you didn't even realize it. How did we get oh there? Oh my gosh. Okay. This was over two years ago. This was like two and a half years ago. And I met this guy right at the time that me and Shannon were about to go to trial for our sexual assault case. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Did yeah. you just vomit? No, I just gagged up a little piece of phlegm. Okay. I've got a lot of shit kicking around in my throat right now. <laughs> okay. So Shannon just partially vomited. Cool. It happens to the best of us. I, I have baby vomits all the time. You need a spitting cup? That's gross. You need to go spit. No, I swallowed it back. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make this about me. Okay. Okay. So yes, me and Shannon are like, we're like, it's that semester of the trial. The trial is going to happen in December. It's a few months prior to that. So there's a lot going on. And I meet this guy and he is like, so fun and extroverted and he makes me feel very special like i barely know him but he seems like really in tune with he seems like really emotionally intelligent which is hilarious (laughs) looking back because i was just like so far from the truth and you know he like would ask me on dates and he would like text me all the time and he just seemed like he wanted to put so much energy into me and At that time, like, I was dealing with a lot, and it was nice to have something fun. Like, it was nice to have Mm -hmm. someone, like, seem to care for me and really like me, and it felt like this distraction from this, like, horrible fucked up thing we were going through. And so I think it was, for me, it was really easy to kind of, like, fall into that. And... Well, why would you not? If if someone, if you're going through a hard time and someone is giving you positive attention and making you feel good and taking your mind off of things, naturally every human would gravitate towards that. Yeah, exactly. So it, it it didn't seem like a bad idea or anything. And even like... He was also my friend. Yeah. So he was pre-vetted. He was pre-vetted. So like, I was like, oh, he's friends with Shannon. So like, he must be this amazing, great guy. And at the time, we all thought that. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like Shannon knew things that I didn't know and wasn't telling mm-hmm. me. It was like, we all genuinely thought he really was this like down-to-earth sweet guy and for like months and months he really was after during our trial he would call me and text me and just check in and he just he seemed so supportive and caring and empathetic like he Mm -hmm. like wanted to know what I was going through and he cared so much but then the second the trial was over and I continued to be traumatized and upset and just kind of going through this really 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 hard time right because it's not like the second your court trial is done, you're done healing, right? That's not going to heal you. The criminal justice system is not going to fucking heal you, let me tell you. The trial completed, and for, you know, months after that, I was really struggling, like, really dealing with deep PTSD and, like, anxiety, and it was just, like, a really bad time. So that 
that care and support that he gave me kind of started to like trickle away, you mm-hmm. know, like he, you could tell that he just was doing that like really upfront to like capture my attention and make me feel special and just like kind of have like a chokehold on me, honestly. Mm-hmm. But then the second that it didn't um, benefit him, he started to just like let go of that, which is fine. Like it, you know, it kind of just petered away. He didn't necessarily do anything bad or say anything bad. Like it just kind of just trickled off. So during this time, you are not living in the same state as him. You're still at school in a different state. Mm -hmm. But all that affection, everything that he was giving to you, he was giving it to you like over FaceTime, over text, over calls. Yeah. And, you know, you would come out to Colorado a lot because for like trial things like miscellaneous hearings and things like that. So you would see him occasionally. Yeah. And so when you say that things started to trickle off. Like he started texting you less. He started calling you less. And probably those phone calls were a lot less like attentive towards you in general. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. So it wasn't like, it wasn't bad at the time. You it weren't was dating. Just, we weren't dating. Like it just was fading away. And, you know, I was like kind of upset by that, but also I was dealing with so much other shit that it wasn't at the forefront of my attention. But then the following year, like I was moving to the same place. Mm-hmm. And so once he knew that and like over the summer, he like started reverting back to that initial attention he was giving me, the like care and support he was giving me like at the beginning of when we first started talking. And so he just like, he knew you were going to be living 10 minutes away from him, essentially. Yeah. You're so going he knew that like if he started talking to me a lot again and like complimenting me and like paying attention to me and like being like this really stand up guy towards me that could benefit him once I moved to where he was living. Mm -hmm. And so like in hindsight, he did a lot of that to benefit himself. Right. Like Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't for me or about me. Like he, like narcissism, like narcissistic tendencies, they do things to benefit themselves. The second that it's not benefiting them, they don't care anymore. And so he knew that by talking to me and doing all these things, like it was going to benefit him somehow. And that benefit, like it's not necessarily like sexual benefits or anything like that. It's purely just him getting attention, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's the benefit that narcissists get is any sort of doting on them, any sort of, you know, reinforcements of how great they are and compliments, anything along those lines. Like that's what they are quote unquote getting. Yeah. That's yeah. It's their food, their gasoline. They're yeah. snacks. <laughs> They're snacks. Like, cause like they know like, oh, if, if I compliment her, like she might compliment me back. She might feed into this ego that mm-hmm. I have, you know, for a while it was, it was great. Right. Like mm-hmm. it was fun. I was, we were living in the same place. Like we had such a great time, but then I started slipping away from him. I started losing interest in him. And the second that happened, he did everything that he could to ensure that he would have control over me in some way, mm-hmm. which is another thing that narcissists do, right? Like they have really severe attachment styles where like if they start losing someone, they will do everything they can to get that person back. And that can like be borderline, like stalking, obsession, things like that. Mm-hmm. And like in my case, it was just, he would, anytime we were up, parties or anything like that like he would 
gatekeep the fuck out of me. Like, I would be, like, talking to other guys. And we would be at crowded-ass bars. Like, I wouldn't even show up there with him. And I would just be there at the same time as him. And I'd be, like, talking to a guy. And then, like, 20 seconds later, he would just show up out of nowhere. Like, out of thin air. (laughs) And just, like, step in between, like, me and the guy that I was talking to. And just be like, hi, Lauren. Like, what are you doing? Like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, at first it just seemed, like, coincidental but then it was like, it was so constant. We would be like at parties and like, I would leave the party and like go like next door or something. And five minutes after I leave a party, I'd get a text. Where'd you go? Where are you? Phone call. Mm-hmm. And I like would be like, what the fuck? And then he would show up wherever I was. It just was so odd. In my mind, I'm like, what is going on? Like, why does he give a shit? Why does he care so much about where I am all the time? But then the other part of me was like, I like the attention. Like, I like that he's so worried about where I am all the time. And that is not healthy at all. And I think Mm -hmm. that in our society, we have normalized these unhealthy relationship behaviors. Yeah, like the the toxic thing of, oh, well, he didn't text me for three hours, so I'm going to wait three hours to text him. Oh, he's at a party with other girls? Like, I'm going to take a picture of me at a party with other boys. Like that's the sort of relationship we've cultivated and not even necessarily like relationships itself, like getting into a relationship. Like how do you get the guy like play hard to get, you know, do this, show him that you're desirable by other men. And that's what we tell everyone. And that's how people are being raised. And that's the narrative that's all over social media in general. Yeah. And so that's what we think is the best way to get into a relationship. That's how you win them. It's not a, let me get to know this person, see if I like them, see if they like me, see if we're compatible. It's not like that ever. Yeah. And I think that like in this case too, we have normalized this idea of jealousy and like jealousy (laughs) is flattery. But in this case, like clearly he was jealous of the fact that like I was putting energy elsewhere and that's unhealthy, right? Like Mm -hmm. it is not this, healthy thing of like, oh my gosh, like my boyfriend is so jealous. Like he cares about me so much. It's like, yeah, maybe a little bit of jealousy is good, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but if you are doing it to the point where you are trying to like have control over a person and you can't like handle anything else that they're doing and things like that, that is not normal. But for some reason, we say that it is. Mm -hmm. We like, in our society, it's like, you want them to be jealous. You want them to freak out. You want them to text you every five minutes being like, where are you? But it's like, no, right. That's not good. That's not cool. But in my mind, I was like, I'm winning. And like in your scenario, the healthy version of jealousy would be going out to coffee with you, sitting there and saying, hey, like, I'm really into you. I really like you. And it's frustrating when I see you with other guys because I get worried that you like them more than me. Yeah. And like, I want to be with you. And I like, that is the healthy version of jealousy. And then what he's doing is like, where are you? What are you doing? Like, why can't I be with you? Like getting in between you and other guys. Mm-hmm. So those are two very different pictures and two very different scenarios. Narcissists, when, like I said, when they feel someone slipping away, they do, they can't have like obsessive tendencies. And so I did that, like I slipped away and then like there was all this obsession over what I was doing and who I was doing it with. And then eventually it did lead to like, I'm jealous, I wanna be with you, but 
it was it real or was it him only saying those things to regain control over me and make mm-hmm. sure that I'm not doing whatever the fuck I want to do whoever with whoever I want to do it with. But it was like so out of the blue and it made absolutely no sense. Right. And so like they will do or say whatever they can to ensure that they can just like have you in a chokehold all to themselves. Right. And narcissists actually have a lot of abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. And that's why like it's not not to say that they experienced abandonment in childhood, but they are like deeply afraid of you abandoning them. And so that's why they resort to all of these tendencies of, you know, being obsessive over you and potentially stalking you and things like that, because they're so afraid that you're going to leave them. Yeah. And that's why they do the love bombing at first to keep you in their hold, because then you're secure and they don't have to stress as much about you. But the second mm-hmm. they start to feel you slip away, they're going to freak the fuck out and do whatever they can to keep you in their corner. Yeah. This person is starting to feel you slip away, right? And then somehow you end up... They try to throw a Hail Mary pass, right? They're Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to tell her that, like, I want to be with her. I'm so into her. Like, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to ensure that, like, I can have her all to myself. And obviously, like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, no. (laughs) Like, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's how out of the blue it was. Like, I had barely talked to him in, like, a month. And if I had, it was very platonic friend based like I hadn't like slept over like nothing like I this was so out of the blue and I just I was sitting there like he this was after a Halloween party Mm. and it was like super late and I was supposed to go hang out with this other guy (laughs) who I was like actually into but like everything with but like yeah I'm I'm like about to like go hang out with this other guy and then like I get a call from my ex well my ex now you get a call from the narcissist. The narcissist. <laughs> and he's like distraught. And this kid Shambles. never wants to talk about something real. So this is the first time I've heard him be like, I really need to talk to you. So in my mind, I'm like, shit, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, like, I don't really know if I can go talk to him. Like, I, whatever. But then, like, I ended up going and talking to him. And he's just like, I, like need you I want you like all this stuff and like I, I am with you yeah yeah and I'm just like no okay but then like fast forward that no was just throwing gasoline on a wildfire he took that no as I'm gonna do everything I can to win this girl over mm-hmm. and that's when the like more like I don't want to say love bombing but just reverting back to these just putting so much effort in and like always wanting to talk to me. He would like always like try to like bring me food or like gifts or things like that. And anything to be connected to you in any way, shape or form. Yes. For like so long and like for the first time, maybe this is really who he is and maybe this is what he is capable of. And maybe I just needed to put him in his place And, like, this is the relationship we could have. Because for, like, two months, it was just constant him putting in so much effort. Mm -hmm. Like, having so much fun together. Like, it was amazing. And two months later, we, like, actually start dating. Because I somehow thought that those two months would continue on through it. Right. Because he's showing you the type of person... That you wanted him to be, mm-hmm. you know, like you were pulling away because he had pulled away from you, right? Like he had kind of left you when you were 
in a little bit of an emotional state and all of that. And, and once he leaves you, you know, you're like, okay, fuck that. Like I'm gonna go find other guys. And he, the narcissist cannot handle that. He doesn't want to see that. Yeah. And so then he pulls out all of the, his big bag of beautiful love bombing trick. <laughs> he pulls out his big bag of beautiful love bombing tricks mm-hmm. and says, look at how great I am. Look at how much I care for you. Look at how good I take care of you. Look at how much fun we have together. And once again, who doesn't fall for that? In two months, like two months is a pretty good amount of time to where it's it's easy to forget all of those negative experiences that you have with that person. And it's fairly easy to believe that this person could be a good partner. Yeah, exactly. And like you have a lot of in common with them. Like you do a lot of fun things together. Like it's hard not to ignore that. And frankly, like a lot of those narcissists, that's a hard fucking word to say. Spelling the word narcissist has been, I know I was like N A R C I S S S I S S I P P I N A R C I S S I S M narcissism welcome to our spelling bee (laughs) yeah and so i think that it wasn't until a little bit after we actually started dating where i started to notice these like really strong narcissistic narcissistic tendencies thank you and like same with shannon like i I, like wasn't until this time when like all of us really like i i don't think we even labeled it as narcissism mm -hmm. when you were dating him it was more of this I, oh, ooh, ooh, this is what it was. It was, it became very clear to me that there was a big separation between, between the highs and the lows of your relationship. And about a little bit more than 50% of the time, you were super unhappy and unhappy in your relationship to the point where you're talking and you're like, I just don't know what to do. Like, this is so frustrating. Whether that was related to the fact that you and him hadn't been on dates in a long time, or you hadn't spent quality time together, or he was just blowing you off for his friends or like not even giving you any form of attention that your partner should be giving you. And then I remember that you and him went on this camping trip and you got right. Yeah. Yeah, but that was like that was like right before we broke up. So that was like way farther down the road. But it's so okay. relevant. Yeah. So but what I remember is like, so you're going on this camping trip, you go on the camping trip, you come back, and you're talking about how it was just such a great time and you just had such wonderful conversations and all this stuff. And I looked at you and I said, Lauren, do you feel like you deserve to be happy fifty percent of the time? And you go, uh, it's, I'm happier more than 50%. That was, but I was a like, lie. And so I was like, so are you happy 100% of the time? And you go, no, but like, it's fine. And essentially the, what you portrayed to me was that you didn't feel that you deserved to be in a happy and healthy relationship. And that 50% good and 50% really fucking bad was okay for you. Yeah. Well, I think that is like a huge thing for people who have experienced abuse is that, we truly think that we don't deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. And so we let ourselves be in relationships that are so up and down all the time. And we just settle for that. But I think the other part of it is that it can be very easy to have this sense of, well, I'm not ever going to find anyone better. So I might as well just settle for the situation I'm in now. 
and you've like dug yourself this hole and now you're just like, this is the hole I have dug for myself. So I might as well just stay in it because Mm -hmm. this is where I am. And it can be so hard to see outside of that and realize that you deserve so much better, but you have never experienced that before. So you can't even fathom that it exists. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like, I just did not know that there could be something better. And like, I have just gotten used to like my bar at that point was like, well, as if he, as long as he doesn't fucking rape me, then, you know, it's good it's enough. fine. It's good enough. And that's so fucked up. But like, that was seriously the reality I lived in of like, that was the bar. Like that was the worst thing that could have happened to me. And so as long as it doesn't happen in another relationship, then that relationship is fine. And I was totally okay just settling for something that I knew deep down was not good, mm-hmm. but I let it be good enough. And it's just so hard to break out of that mindset. And like sitting here now being in a great relationship where like, yeah, maybe like three to 5% of the time I get upset or I'm angry Mm -hmm. and that's like normal, right? Like, yeah, you should. Yeah. Like that. I just could never have even fathomed being in a relationship like this. I could have never fathomed being this happy or secure in a relationship during that time. And you felt like you didn't deserve to be in a relationship that was healthy or good. Yeah. And we hear this all the time. You know, people are sexually assaulted or abused as a child, or they experience some form of like violence towards their body. And all of a sudden they're dating pieces of garbage. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden they have a pattern of extremely unhealthy relationships. And it's because that that like at a minimum, that that one piece of abuse that the violation that they had on their own body makes them drawn towards chaos. Yes. It draws them towards yeah. something that is just more violating to them as a whole. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because like the physical violence slash abuse slash sexual assault, whatever, if it like unlocks a portion of your body where it's just like it makes you feel like such the bottom of the barrel, like you are worthless that you start to truly believe that, like, the only thing you deserve is shit partners who treat you like shit. Yeah. Well, I think that being abused and being assaulted does make you feel really bad about yourself because you do blame yourself and put a lot of shame on yourself when those things happen and you you feel like garbage. Mm-hmm. And so you feel like you deserve to be treated like garbage as well. And that is a really hard thing to break out of. And it can be really, really tricky as well. And it's just like, it can be so easy to sit here and be like, I was in a bad situation, so I needed to get out of it. But then actually applying that and putting that into practice when you're actually in an abusive relationship is just so hard. And there can be so many backlashes to that Mm -hmm. as well, right? Like And fears of how do I get out? and Yeah, and what will happen when I do get out? If I'm alone, like... This person makes me feel less alone and how will I feel when but I they actually don't. am alone? That's the thing though, is that I I think that was the loneliest period of my life mm-hmm. because I was in a relationship, but I was completely alone. Mm-hmm. And that is something that like no one deserves to have, right? And this, it's that, this idea that like 
Yeah, like, I, like most people want a life partner and most people like want that in their life. But like, would you rather be alone or would you rather be alone in a relationship for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, and you have, sometimes you have to learn that lesson. And for me, I was like, I'd rather be alone in a relationship. Yeah. But now I know actually, no, I'd rather just be alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that that aloneness that you feel, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the biggest things is that no one, or not no one, but a lot of people in your life can't see and don't know how bad that relationship is because you don't want to voice it out loud. Mm-mm, like you're so I, embarrassed. Yeah. Like I, you had, you obviously talked about your relationship with me, but I think there, you still lessened the blow basically when you would tell me about what was actually going on in your relationship. Like I never truly knew all of the horrible treatment till post relationship. And that's one of those isolating things is like you're left to, you are dealing with all of that horrible behavior towards you by yourself. And that's one of the most isolating things. If you're not communicating to the people around you that you're feeling this way and that you're going through this, like that's the isolating part, right? Yeah. And it's, it's really, really hard. And that's because like bad shit fucking happened, you know, and I was Mm. so embarrassed by it. And, you know, I think like those like last few months of my relationship was when I really realized that like he was not capable of empathy. Mm-hmm. Like he was not capable of taking ownership of his actions. Like any time I had an issue and I brought it up to him, he would immediately gaslight me and make me feel like I was the problem. And then later on, he literally said to me, nothing is ever my fault. It's always the fault of everyone around me. That's an active sentence that came out of this person's mouth. Yes. Like, that is just straight up the most narcissistic thing you could ever fucking say. Like, he was literally saying that he is never at fault. So anytime I came to him with a problem, it could never, ever be his fault. It always was my fault somehow. But the worst part of it was that he was so good at arguing and convincing me that it was true that, like, I couldn't even argue it back. Right. And, like, that is just so fucked up. But then, like, he also would start to talk about how he hates when his friends are vulnerable with him because it ruins his day and he doesn't think there's any point to like talking about bad things mm-hmm. but he also like didn't even believe in like bad things happening mm-hmm. wait i want to pause for one second and rewind a little bit so sorry because you're you're totally on a good wavelength right now but i just have a question yeah um so when you say you were embarrassed by how he was treating you what can you explain that a little bit further? Like, why is it embarrassing? What about it felt embarrassing to you? Because I could have left. Hmm. Like, there, it just got to a point where, like, there's, like, one memory in mind that happened that was just everything pointed to the fact that he had no empathy for anyone. He really only truly cared about himself. And at, in that moment, I should have walked away immediately, but I didn't. And that was embarrassing for me. So, well, I want to hear about the moment, but also, so like what that says to me is like, you believe that you are strong And that if there's a bad situation, you believe that like you should be able to leave. 
that yeah. situation. And so it's, it's not even the fact that like your partner is treating you badly. Like that's not the embarrassing part that you felt. You felt that just not leaving was embarrassing because like you believe that you are strong enough to leave. And the fact that you can't is embarrassing because it means you're weak. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. I don't know. I'm just trying, I just want to like fully try to understand. Do you want to share that moment? Yeah. I mean, like that one moment where you really realized what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. I mean, so it was St. Patrick's day and he and his friends like threw this huge party at their house. And so there was a lot of chaos going on, you know, a lot of hundreds people were of drinking, people. hundreds of people were there and it was crazy. There was this one guy who was kind of just like being creepy towards the girls at the party and like was just saying inappropriate stuff and like was just making girls uncomfortable. And eventually this guy gets punched in the face. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Which when and like my boyfriend at the time, the narcissist, comes up to me and he was like, wow, this guy just got his ass kicked. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And he was like, what? And I was like, well, honestly, like he was a piece of shit and he was like making girls really uncomfortable. And he was like, so he deserved to get beat up. Well, and I was like, okay, yeah, like violence is not the answer, but I'm not, I was just like, I'm not surprised he did get beat up because he probably deserved it to some mm -hmm. extent. And he was like, well, like, I don't really understand. Like, what did he do? And I was like, he was just like saying some things that just like weren't really that cool. And he was like, well, did he touch you? And I'm like, no, but like, is that what it takes for you to care? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't care that some guy was making you uncomfortable. Like, I, and he was just like, I just like, don't really get it. Like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. And it was just like super, like, clearly no empathy there. He like, couldn't even take the time to like, put himself into my shoes. Like, it was just, I got so pissed off. I left the party. Um, yeah. And then I came back a few hours later. But like, not to mention that he knew that like if you're part if your girlfriend your friend your part whatever if they are upset about like someone making them uncomfortable at a party like that should make you angry like yeah, it that should. someone's making you uncomfortable but even on another level knowing that your partner like that you are someone who has been sexually assaulted before and not taking that scenario seriously that's just like yes. an extra level of like wow this person really doesn't understand like what is okay and what is not okay like they have no sense of reality of like what is okay in society yeah and that's exactly what I brought up to him when I came back to his house later that mm -hmm. day that's literally what I said I was like you know what I've been through and the fact that like you couldn't like for one second, get in touch with reality and get outside yourself to realize how uncomfortable those situations make me. Like, that's not okay. And then, like, he gets so mad at me and I don't even remember what he said. Like, I wish I remembered what he said. But, like, to the point where, like, it triggered me so bad that, like, I just started crying. And, like, I'm, like, not – I'm, like, sitting on his bedroom floor sobbing, crying. And he, like, walks out of the room. He just leaves. He just leaves. And I'm, like – what the fuck? And he like comes back with water and I'm thinking, oh, like he's getting me water. Like he's going to sit down with me and like try to calm me down. Like he's going to be a good boyfriend and take care of me. And he doesn't hand me the water. He got the water for himself. <laughs> and he's then, like, yo, your crying is making me thirsty. Shut up, bitch. Stay over there in the corner. Oh my God. And then 
like there's a lot of things that are being said that like I'm not going to go into detail with for like personal reasons but he finally says like why are you crying get off the floor get off my floor and stop crying and that was like the moment of like he like truly truly does not have empathy for anyone around him like he already was like I don't care what my friends are going through I don't want to hear about it because it ruins my day clear empathy problem and then for me to be severely triggered and traumatized on his bedroom floor and he doesn't even care enough to support me through that like that was the moment of I'm so done with this relationship like I thought that Mm -hmm. to myself I was like I am done with this relationship Mm -hmm. and but I I didn't leave like that was a thing like yeah so even though like I thought that in my head I was like I'm done with this relationship like I still didn't leave and that was what was really upsetting the relationship didn't last much longer after that and you know when it finally did end and I did tell him to leave me alone like that was when that like attachment style came back in of like becoming like obsessive and like contacting me all the time and wanting to know what I was doing and you know just what I was up to and when I was like in town he would always call me and text me and things like that and like he just could not get it through his head that I didn't want anything to do with him Mm -hmm. and he like could not accept that and he also like had no like he just had no sense of reality whatsoever we broke up and he just like it's almost like he wanted to like maintain the status quo of like prior to when we broke up Mm -hmm. but we were broken up like he had no concept of reality and I think that's like a huge thing is that they're just so caught up in their own fucking little world that they never take a step outside of themselves and realize what's actually going on and what's actually going on with the people around them Mm -hmm. um and so yeah like it was just a lot of constant chaos And with that, we want to talk a little bit about what narcissistic tendencies look like in general um, and what they might look like in a situation you're in or were in or might be in in the future. According to research, there is a big spectrum of narcissism. You know, you have people who just have like narcissistic tendencies on one end, and then you have people who are full-blown diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. And only about 0.5% of the population is actually diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, which, you know, seems like a pretty low number, but that's just who people have like severe, severe narcissism. Not to say that there aren't a large percentage of people who just have narcissistic tendencies that are still impacting their relationships and their life. But something that we found we thought was particularly interesting is that um, 75% of people who have NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, are actually men. And that sort of made me think about, you know, like, I don't know if narcissism is necessarily a nurture versus nature thing, but, you know, like, how are we raising these young men and why are so many of them ending up as narcissists? You know, what are we telling them when they're young boys and, like, who they're becoming? How are we raising them into this? Well, I'd be interested to see what percentage of rapists are narcissists Mm -hmm. because I think that because it has such a link to abusive tendencies and a lack of understanding, right, that lack of empathy, I would bet that there's a large correlation between men who rape and men who are narcissists. That sounds about right to me. And sort of like with this whole 
Now there's a spectrum of narcissism. You know, I think this article that I found painted it pretty well is that people have depression, right? But not everybody with depression is diagnosed with major depressive disorder, right? Like, yes, but you can just I, I be am. depressed. Oh, <laughs> cheers. Cheers. <laughs> um, many of you may be listening to this episode and kind of thinking, hmm, that sounds a little bit familiar. My, my partner does some of those things, but we're just going to give you a full blown list of things that, you know, of narcissistic tendencies that are fairly recognizable. So listen up closely, especially if today's episode sounded a little bit familiar to something you've experienced before or something you're currently in. So these are behaviors that narcissistics, narc, fuck, tit, fuck titties. <laughs> these are some characteristics that narcissists tend to display. A sense of entitlement or superiority, lack of empathy. We heard a lot about that today. Manipulative or controlling behavior, a strong need for admiration, focus on getting one's own needs met, often ignoring the needs of others, higher levels of aggression, difficulty taking feedback about their behavior, incapable of change, fear of abandonment, and obsessive after abandonment. I think people, a lot of people can fall into this idea of if you're in an unhealthy relationship, you have this belief that the person you're with can change. You know, you believe that they have a potential and you see those glimmers and those moments of hope where they're really good. They're treating you really well and you're having such a good time. And you start to believe that maybe this behavior, this bad behavior is the temporary part and this good behavior can be the permanent part. But what you need to know if you're in a relationship in a relationship with a narcissist is that they are incapable of changing. Like they truly will not be better. Very like some researchers believe that with extreme psychotherapy, narcissists can change, but the majority of narcissists aren't going to go to therapy. You know why? Because they don't believe that they have a fucking problem. Yep. So Ugh. if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, know that. I'm sorry, but they're not going to be better. Those negative days, those bad days, those times that they're treating you like shit, that is the reality. Not those days where, you know, maybe they give you a batch of flowers and say, I love you once yeah. in a while. That's not the reality. The reality is when they're treating you like shit and they're not going to change because they are incapable of it. Yeah. And you really want them to. And I really wanted my partner to so badly because I saw those like good sparks. But after we broke up, he literally wanted to talk to me because he was like, I don't know what I did wrong. He had no idea the things that he did wrong throughout the entire relationship, which is like a huge red flag. But then I told him everything. And then which, a week later. That's another thing. He sat down with you again. You know, he convinced you enough to be able to sit down yeah. with you, like he, to try to have another grasp on you. Yeah. And you know what? I loved telling him about everything he did wrong. It was great. Because he fucking deserved to hear all that shit. And I don't care if I made him feel shitty. Like, whatever. But then, like, a week later, he contacts me again. And he's like, I just want you to know that I listened to everything you said. And I fixed everything now. I am like, better. <laughs> I'm like, um, honestly, like, I really think that you could benefit from some therapy. Like, you have some actual, like, really big issues that you need to work through. And he was like, no, I don't. Like, once you told me about all the issues, I immediately fixed them. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you can't do that overnight. It doesn't take a week to fix your issues, especially when they run that deep. And he's like, no, like I'm all better now because he is so un he's so incapable of understanding that like he, like he can't even understand what he did wrong, let alone 
change. Like yeah. he's just like, well, it's fixed. Obviously it's fixed. You let yeah. me know. So it's just like, yeah, it's automatically solved. Yeah. And so, you know, you had mentioned how you broke up with your narcissistic ex-boyfriend, but something that if this is sounding like you and you're considering breaking up with your partner because you're like, holy fuck, I'm in a relationship with a narcissist. How the fuck do I get out? Please save me. Well, just some things to kind of keep in mind if you're considering breaking up with your narcissistic partner is one, remind yourself that this behavior is not okay. Remind yourself that you deserve better. And I think that's especially hard when you're in an abusive, in an abusive situation, but reminding yourself constantly over and over again, I deserve better. This is not how I should be treated. Any sort of those affirmations, do them, please. Next thing is really prepare for this person to do everything they can to try and crawl back into your life. You know, just like Lauren mentioned with him texting her and calling her and, you know, trying to hang out with her. That's something that you will experience and potentially even worse, like they might stalk you. They're going to do everything they possibly can because they feel like they can't live without you because they're so afraid of abandonment and they need you to feed their ego and sort of a way to prepare for those extreme measures that your narcissistic partner may take is you need to make sure you have a good support system, you know, like tell your friends about the situation. Be honest if you can at a minimum just say, you know, I'm breaking up with so-and-so it's bad. I know they're going to try and get back together with me and I need you to help me stay away from them. Like I need you to protect me and almost act as like an accountability partner in a way and go to therapy. Like if you have access to therapy, go to therapy. And you know, maybe as you're walking out the door from your narcissistic piece of shit partner, you say, Hey, you should schedule an appointment with a therapist. Sayonara. Let them know that they need help too. Okay. And then also the other thing is that be like really on the watch for certain things that this person is saying. And especially as a sexual violence survivor, there were so many things that made me realize like, yeah, this, this person is like, they're not a good person. And a lot of that was the fact that, like I said earlier, he just could not understand or even try to understand the pain that I've been through and how triggering I can get, um, from harassment and things like that. And I think that is something that like both me and Shannon really wanted to change. Cause like Shannon was his friend at the time and Shannon has just a little story, a quickie little one. Um, so, you know, Lauren and this guy had broken up and it had come to my attention that he didn't really believe that like assault and rape is possible, that it can happen. He just really didn't understand it. Well, do you want to tell him what he said about me? Uh, yeah, this was not said to me, but, um, he had told one of our very close friends that, he didn't understand that if like Lauren was actually raped, why did she wait so long to tell anyone? Which that's a classic misconception from people. But, you know, knowing that he was there for Lauren during your trial process and that he still didn't believe that it happened to you, that's fucked. Like that is so wild to me. And he also didn't take the time to like ask me questions. Like, why didn't you tell someone for so right. long? Cause like so many of us don't tell people because mm-hmm. we just can't wrap our head around it or we're ashamed or whatever it might be. It's so normal to not tell anyone. 
And he could have just been like, hey, can you explain this to me? Right. He didn't. He never tried to understand ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Lauren and him had broken up. He was pretty separated from like, like I wasn't really spending much time with him. And knowing that he didn't really believe that rape happened. And, you know, obviously Lauren and I are very passionate about sexual violence and like speaking out about any sort of sexual assault and things like that. And so it was really hard for me to feel like, okay, I've associated with this person, but I've never sat and had a conversation with them about assault. And so I told myself if, if the time arises and he comes into my house, I'm going to talk to him about this. And, um, sure enough, he like walks in my house the next day and he sits down and, you know, we kind of had like an open door policy. So it wasn't like this was out of the blue and he sits down and he's talking to me and I'm like, Hey, can I just talk to you about like sexual assault in general? And I'm like, what do you think it is? And he's saying like, well, I think it means, you know, like someone has sex with you, but you don't really want to. But like, it took him a long time to get to that definition. Like there was a lot of hmm and has and uh, and eh, So basically he had no fucking idea. He had no idea. And then I said like, do you understand why it's so bad? Like, does it make sense to you? And I, I wasn't doing this in a belittling way. I was really trying to do it because it's important that people fucking understand this. And I said, you know, do you, do you understand why this is so bad? And he goes, no, honestly, like, you know, I've had times where I woke up to a girl having sex with me and like, I just went about my day. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And I said, okay, first of all, I'm really sorry because that means you were assaulted, but we're going to move past it because he doesn't believe that he was assaulted. And I said, you know, has there ever been a time where something has happened to you or happened to someone you care about and you don't have control over it? Like there's literally nothing you can do. Like you are completely powerless. He goes, no, like I've never been powerless in any situation. I've never felt like I haven't had agency in a situation. And I was trying to get at this point of like, you know, sexual assault makes you feel powerless. It takes your decision away. It takes your agency away. And I I kept trying to explain scenarios that weren't assault where your agency is taken away. And I was like, do you get it? Like, does that, does that make sense to you that like, you don't have a choice in those scenarios where you're assaulted? And he goes, uh, not really, but I'll, I guess I'll, yeah, sure. Like, and this conversation went on for, it was a, like a 15 minute, 20 minute long conversation of me trying to explain to him what is bad about sexual assault. And, you know, I think any human being can, can look at sexual assault. And even if you don't fully grasp it, you can say that would be unpleasant. Like at a minimum. That's not right. Yeah. That's not right. That doesn't sound like it feels very good, but he literally couldn't. He literally could not. But then it just makes me think about like all the people out there that are the exact same way and that fucking sucks. Like there are so many people who can't grasp what sexual assault is or why it is so bad. And what's even worse is that like a lot of these people are like men in power that Mm -hmm. then get away with so much shit and no one does anything about it. And that is just like another piece of this whole thing that like we need to continue having these conversations and like, it's so great that you had that conversation with him. Yeah, he didn't fucking get it. Yeah. But like... <laughs> I tried. A, but like a person that isn't like super narcissistic and can actually look outside themselves would understand what you're saying. So with all of that, 
I hope that this Valentine's Day, if you realized that you are dating a narcissistic piece of shit, asshole, emotionally abusive, unempathetic, yeah, awful person, just fucking break up with him. Don't waste your time. And we know it's hard. And like, if you are in a relationship and you're really struggling with like, I'm not sure if this is abusive or not, or like, I want to get out, but I don't know how, send us a DM, send us an email. Like we want to help you get out of these relationships because your life is too valuable and you are too important and incredible to be in a relationship with someone who is stealing your joy. Yeah. And I know it's so hard to see in the moment, but you, you truly do deserve so much better. Mm -hmm. And there is so much better out there, but if you don't give yourself the opportunity to find that, you never will. Mm-hmm. And that is much more heartbreaking. And don't ever let yourself be alone in a relationship. Yeah. The second you feel alone, that's a problem. And you should to go. listen to that and it's time to go. So thank you guys so much for listening through my chaotic relationship experience. But I really hope that people can learn from it because honestly, like, I've learned a lot from it and sitting here now being in a healthy relationship, like I feel like I have a much better handle on things and a much better communication style. And so, you know, if you are in one of these situations, like you, you can use it and turn it into a positive thing for yourself, but allow yourself the opportunity to do that, please. And if one of your friends sounds like they're in a relationship with a narcissist, tell them, send this episode to them, like let them know that there is more than what they're currently with. Yeah. Um, we love you guys so much. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> we hope that you have a fantastic day. And if you're single on Valentine's Day, fuck yeah. I hope you're having, hope you're walking around your house naked with a bottle of whatever you want and snacks and having a good time because you you're hot. It. Yeah. Yeah. Self-love, baby. Yeah, we love you guys so much. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Cheers. Cheers.